0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends, on Christmas Eve, those who were here in worship briefly noted how some Christmas trees are topped with an angel and other Christmas trees are topped with a star I mentioned how the four gospel writers treat the birth of Christ in four different ways, with the angel representing Luke's story and the star representing Matthew's story. Certainly, part of the magic that people feel at Christmas time is due to the images of light and dark, of day and night, that frame the New Testament accounts of the birth of Jesus. The angels appear in the night sky. The star appears in the night sky. And by the way, in today's gospel, the wise men are also warned in a dream And Joseph, the parent of Jesus, is guided not once, not twice, not thrice, but thrice. Is that how you say it the fourth time? Thrice? Four times, an angel appears to Joseph in a dream to give him guidance in a dream. So, even in the Bible, Christmas is embedded in nighttime. Long before Roman and Northern European traditions about the solstice were poured onto it, there were already these images of nighttime Joseph's dreams, the wise men's dreams, shepherds on the night shift, angels in the sky, a star in the sky. Did the wise men really follow the star by traveling by night? I wonder, maybe they looked at night for the direction of the star and went to bed and traveled in that general direction by daylight, but I often think of them as traveling by night and sleeping during the day as Matthew writes, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising. So even though I don't always approve of the excesses of the holiday season, there is definitely a sense of wonder and magic in the Bible's original presentation of the Christmas events. Even the name for these wise men, these so-called kings from the East, The Persian word magush became the Greek word magos, whose plural form is magi, from which we get the word magic. So there is wonder and magic in the Christmas story and then in our holiday season as we try to celebrate it. Funny that I should mention that, that magic, today, January 7th. Epiphany was technically yesterday, the 6th, 12 days of Christmas culminating on January 5th. So here it is, the holidays are ending, school starts this week, (laughs) two long Holiday weekends are over now. The holiday decorations need to be put away in the garage or the attic. You made your New Year's resolution, and by now you've already broken it twice. I mean, if there has ever been a less magical moment than today, it's probably tax day or colonoscopy day. But here, belatedly as we trudge back to the salt mines of ordinary life is Epiphany. The great Danish pastor Nikolai Gruntvig wrote these words to our closing hymn today. Bright and glorious is the sky. You have to picture Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night. Do you know the picture I'm talking about? With the stars and the galaxies swirling with the moon in the night sky? Or if you don't know that painting, just look up at the night sky over the Sonoran Desert. But the great Danish pastor, I can't believe I said that, Great Dane. <laughs> the great, He was great. He was also a politician, go figure. The great Danish pastor Nikolai Gruntvig wrote our sending song. Bright and glorious is the sky, radiant are the heavens high, where the golden stars are shining, all their rays to earth inclining. Beckon us to heaven above. As the commercial holiday ends, the church calendar erupts with Epiphany, the bookend of Christmas, full of wonder and magic, a wonder and magic that I hope will linger for you, even in the salt mines of ordinary life. For you! The great insight of Epiphany is that Jesus is born the rest of us in last week's story last sunday the old man simeon proclaims that the baby jesus will be a light to the gentiles a light to the nations a baby for the rest of us but as i said before that's luke's perspective in matthew's perspective the wise men represent the Gentiles the rest of us. I don't know if you were paying attention to our first reading, Isaiah chapter 60, written 500 years before Jesus was born. The last verse of this morning's excerpt from Isaiah spoke of gold and frankincense, but no myrrh. If you grew up like I did, it's always gold, frankincense, and myrrh from today's gospel. But the reading from Isaiah only mentions two. The reading from Isaiah has been connected to the story in Matthew in various levels, so much so that people can't read one without the other. So in Matthew's story, there are magi, astrologers, astronomers, wise men, magicians, not kings but in the Isaiah passage, there are kings, and so Christian tradition conflates the two. My standby go-to joke on Epiphany is the hymn, the carol, We Three Kings of Orient Are. There weren't three, they weren't kings, and they weren't from the Orient, but otherwise it's a pretty good hymn. (laughs) Matthew's wise men Matthew's wise men come from the East. Isaiah mentions Midian and Ephah and Sheba. And so it's from Isaiah that we imagine an African king, such as the one who is so confidently portrayed on the cover of your service folder today, courtesy of the Lutheran publishing house, Augsburg Fortress. It comes not from the actual story, but from the interpolation and conflation of Isaiah and Matthew. And did the wise men walk to Bethlehem? Did they ride horses? Matthew doesn't say how, but we all know they must have ridden camels because Isaiah mentions camels. So a lot of detail that isn't actually in the story is imported into the story from the 60th chapter of the prophet Isaiah, written down 500 years before Jesus. Why? Well, because Isaiah is talking about the rest of us, that the Jewish light will draw the rest of us to God's goodness. Which is what happens in today's gospel reading. King Herod and his religious advisors in Jerusalem have all the clues, but they can only plot to eliminate Jesus as a newborn rival to King Herod. The irony of ironies is that these outsiders, who do not have all of the advantages of religious knowledge, these astronomers, these astrologers, these Merlins, they are led to the Savior by a star, by their interest in stars and constellations and changes in the rotation of the night sky. Irony of ironies, it is the outsiders who find the joy and, ironically, who are protected and who, ironically, are remembered and celebrated by the church down to this day. So as the commercial excess of the holiday season winds down, as the decorations are taken down and put away, as Non-stop playing of I'm dreaming of a white Christmas gets put on pause until Halloween. The wise men and the star remind us that the magic and wonder of Christmas are not bound by the traditions and the limits (coughs) that civilization has imposed upon Christmas, If there is one thing that is absolutely clear in the Old Testament, it's that the God of the Old Testament is not captive to the traditions and limits that human beings often use to capture him. If there is one thing that Matthew wants us to learn from the story of the Magi, it's that the outsiders often recognize the real truth. It's the outsiders who often give the valuable gifts. It's the unexpected ones and the unexpected places that God often uses to do the best things, even the coolest things. Not just once, not just twice, not just thrice, not just thrice, but in a pattern that we can see throughout the stories of the Bible. And that, I hope, will be a star of hope for you in the year ahead and in the less celebrated moments, and in the less anticipated moments that will make up so much of the new year. Amen.